Hey everybody, this is Scooter. If you can help out the show and just let some people know uh, about the podcast, One Listener Initiative, and just say, hey, I, I listen to this podcast. It helps me fall asleep. The guy, is, a, is, a, is a, he's a nice man, a strange man, more of a boy than a man, uh, but we like him. He's our Scooter. If, if you could do that for me, One Listener Initiative, if, if every person out there found one listener, uh, that, I mean... That would be more, uh, it would be huge. But you'd also be helping somebody else out. And you'd be, you know, adding to the restfulness of the world. So if this podcast does help you fall asleep, and, and I know so many of you do it, and I appreciate it, but just spread the word. Thank you so much, and let's get on to the show. Hey, are you up only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what is the rest? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to try to take your mind off of whatever's been running through your brain. Or running through your body, whatever's been keeping you awake, I'm going to try to distract you from that. And I'm going to do that by creating a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you up at night. And I don't know if I just said that, I, mean, I don't know why I'm so distracted, uh, or my, I don't know if my brain is recording right now, but, but I'm going to try to distract you from whatever's keeping you up at night, I think I covered that part. And the safe places, and I'm going to tell you a bedtime story. You only have to listen part way. And the bedtime story is going to be a little bit silly, a little bit interesting, a little bit uh, barely engaging. And it'll have a lot of, like, turns or sides, like slow turns, not not sharp turns. Or, you know, over a lot of speeches probably. We say, okay, well, let me tell you what this person said. Well, first, they, they wiped their hands on their pants, as they like to do before they speak. And then they cleared their throat, and their eyes were open. As a matter of fact, their eyes were open. So I'll do stuff like that. I'm going to try to use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, uh, unresolved metaphors. All, all to take your mind off of stuff, whether it's your uh, physical body that's keeping you up at night, your, you know, your stuff you're thinking about from the past, present, or future, uh, or, you know, some sort of emotional turbulence, maybe even the holiday seasons, all these different holiday events. You know, they can cause, they can stir people up. They can cause anxiety, stress. You know, whatever it is, I want, I want to, I have a holiday story, but you have no, you know, that you have no skin in the game. Now this, and then this, it brings me to a meander, a meandering wonder. I wonder, and I wonder why it is skin in the game sounds offensive. Is it offensive? I don't know. Cause this isn't the podcast where I look stuff up. With interesting facts. Well, I did my research, and as a matter, you know, that's a good podcast, like The Illusionist. 
you know, the, the, or you know, some podcasts where a person put, puts in so much effort to 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 you know either teaching you, enlightening you, or you saying, "Hey, come on a journey," as they discover the meaning behind these words, or the history of this. Why is this designed this way? Here I say, hey, give me your attention, and all the work goes into me, you know, kind of, I put a lot of work into this, but it's also you don't have to pay attention. It's strange. I know you say, geez, well, poor Scooter, but but, but I think there is something to it. I, I write, So tonight we're talking about Roberta Claus, who was Santa Claus's replacement. You may or may not have heard about it, but uh, this is her story tonight. And so we'll be covering some of that stuff, or a reporter will be reporting in, but it'll be a linear story where he'll just say, you know, and then we just say, and I said, and then I said, why, where are your elf boots, and what are elf boots? Do you make it, what's the biggest shoe size an elf's ever had? You know, reporting, you know, thank you, Kai, reporting for Marketplace on, you know, the elf, you know, is it, what would you call the uh, North Pole, the internal North Pole economy? Is it a gray market? You know, is it, is it some sort of, uh, you know, co- company town? So, you know, that's, so that's the podcast. So the main thing is I, I just don't want you, I know how it feels uh, to, to just not be able to, you see, you just you lie down and your brain starts piping up. I, I want to take your mind off of that. And I can't really quite put it into a tight metaphor. Sometimes I try to do these intros with a silly metaphor or ideally like a, you know, a tight one where you say, oh boy, Scoots nailed that metaphor. You know, you might say, you know, I never heard it put that way. And then, you know, party brain might be, oh, because it didn't make any sense. It wasn't related to the statement before that. And then ideally you would yawn. And you'd you'd pat that part of your brain, you know, that internal observer who thinks, you know, it's like the internal watchman or something, always watching my behavior. And you say, yeah, yeah, Scoots, he, he, Scoots doesn't get much right, but he puts me to sleep. And then that party might be like, well, do you even know who Roberta Claus is? And you say, well, no. I mean, I know she's... No, I don't. Is she Mrs. Colossus or is she independent? Did she take a... Well, and they say, well, don't, don't you listen to the story? No, Scoot said I could go to sleep whenever I want. He's my boyfriend. And I'd say, that's right, brain parts. I'm, I'm the boyfriend. I'm here to distract. I'm here to pause. I'm here to trip over my own words. I'm like an Olympian... Well, now I'm trying to think if there's a metaphor in there. There is probably. They say, well, what comes? So we know we got the Olympics. Then you got those things. They're like kind of Olympic events. You know, they're like, hey, we're testing this out, or we're thinking about bringing this back to you know the, the almost Olympics. But they say, hey, we're going to give you. You know, we don't have anything going on at 10:30 a.m. on uh, on Tuesday. I think they're called alternatives, but I'm not sure. But they'd say, well, we'd put Scoots in, you know, if if debate makes it into the Olympics, you know, maybe one day there'd be some room. Probably not, though. If debate gets in, it probably spells doom for Scoots. 
And they say even, you know, someone like a time waster, that's more competitive. You know, I say, geez, can you, whose time can you waste or whose time? And they say, really, you know, Scoots is kind of just like, he's like uh, the Dr. Doolittle asleep. He, he talks to the animals, but the, you know, the little animals that keep you up at night. And someone may say, that's not what Dr. Doolittle was about at all. And I said, well, and she's okay. Well, this is a settle down, boys. I just, you know, I'm not feeling down. I just got told I'd never be in the Olympics. And I just thought maybe there was a small chance, a smidgen. I'd say maybe I could go through the Olympic Village, though, and say, well, uh, mon frère, uh, could I... You know, could I wish, you know, with, no, okay, I, well, I'm banned from the Olympics. But I say, you know, maybe I could bore some Olympians to sleep. Believe it or not, uh, to, to one of my upstairs neighbors, he did try out for the Olympics. And two of his friends, and they were all, you would say, geez, most people would think, or maybe only I would say, Olympians are probably, these were the three, three of the nicest people I've ever met. They were trying to get in the Olympics for rowing. Or crew, no, rowing, I believe. And uh, they, these were three of the nicest people I've ever come across. And I think it was Johan, Mike, and Mike. I think was Johan still lives upstairs. But the other two guys, I know one was Mike. He moved to San Francisco. And I think the other guy's name was Mike. And he was out here uh, just for the Olympics, you know, training and trials or whatever. And it was sad none of them made it. I said, Jesus, I would give an award for kicking ass. And I said, Jesus, I hope I didn't do anything that time I made the chili. I hope that didn't play into that. But none of that really, none of that nonsense really matters. The main thing is I'm here to try to take your mind off stuff. If if you're here and, and you're, you've are you been up tossing and turning, you've tried other things, give this podcast a few tries. I, I, I do this with with the, the, the fullest amount of effort I can. And I just want to help you fall asleep. It's, it's a silly thing, I know. It's not guided meditation. It's not exactly like yeah, it's the same thing as ASMR or some sort of other. No, it's, 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 hip, it's, hip, it's hypnotic. You know, like watching like that popcorn video that everybody, like hypnotic, like watching someone. Uh, lose their popcorn in a movie theater lobby. They say, no, Scoots, that's way more. Okay, well, like I said, like. It's hypnotic, like, you know, why? The, you know, when you're watching it, this podcast is a balloon, you know, four minutes after someone let go of it, when you forget that, so, and you're just watching that balloon go up in the sky. And you see, geez, I don't know why I'm still watching. I know it's going to disappear at some point, but I'm still just watching it, not really doing anything, just gently going back and forth. But at some point, you know, as John Berger might say, not might never say, like you'll become the watch, you know, the watched instead of the watcher, and you you'll be the balloon disappearing into sleep, ideally. So I, we did kind of fit in a metaphor there within a metaphor. But the main thing is I'm glad you're here and I hope I help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. All right, housekeeping. We're on the web, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. Older episodes can be found there. 
Uh, you can comment on the website. You can email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can uh, get me on Twitter at Dears Scooter or on Facebook. We have a Facebook group at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash N-O-D-S nods. We have a subreddit at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash reddit if you like to communicate on either of those platforms. I'd like to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful Podcast who's editing this show. So thank you so much, Chris. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork. I want to thank Latitude on our subreddit. And I want to thank Laura, Alexandra, Rachel, Jen, Julie, and Lida who moderate our Facebook group. I want to thank the guys over at uh, Live Audio Wrestling. Uh, y Ting, he was talking about the podcast. I'm going to check out their podcast, but check it out uh, over on uh, iTunes or Stitcher. Just search for uh, Live Audio Wrestling. And I also want to thank the guys over at Pseudopod who are always uh, supporting the podcast as well. Thank you, guys. I want to thank uh, Rebecca Lee Williams and Pan Magazine for the nice write-up Rebecca did about the podcast and her experience with it. So nice. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy that the uh, podcast is helping you out. And I hope, you know, other readers of Pan Magazine, you know, would get some sleep too. Would be, you know, thank you so much for passing the word on. And I think that's it. If you can remember, use our Amazon link when you're doing Christmas shopping at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Amazon. That's a huge help for the show. Thank you so much, and let's keep it going. Hey, everybody, it's Scooter. I'm going to hand things right over to Claude Neon uh, to take over our holiday serial series, which I don't think, I think it's just called the uh, Claude, Claude Neon Report for now because I couldn't think anything else. So I'm going to throw things over to Claude Neon. And he's a report, you know, uh, correspondent. Uh, good evening, everyone. This is Claude Neon reporting. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, Scooter. And those of you who were, were with us last week but were not awake or those of you who were not with us, Last week, I was able to publish a report where I tracked down Roberta Kloss, who most of us know over the past year had an abrupt rise into the public eye and then an abrupt fall out of the public eye. As Santa Claus became real, he became a public figure, a real public figure in our world. And then not long after that, Santa Claus passed on and the world mourned. And those were, were bright days we had together in mourning. But after Santa Claus's passing, the world was informed that Roberta Claus, Roberta Claus had taken over for Santa Claus. She was the new Santa Claus. And then the world quickly turned against her. You could see it in my prior report, but uh, rejected Roberta Claus's authority. And then she quickly, as the intensity of the outrage and the pushback, she dropped from the scene. And I, I followed my curiosity. I said, where is this Roberta Claus and why is she in hiding? And just recently I had tracked her down and I had spoken with her 
uh, to find out why. And apparently I was incorrect. My theory had been that she was still planning Christmas and that she was up to something. Interviews with children and research I had done on my own. It's this childlike mythology. It started with this secret Santa. And I thought Roberta Claus was behind it. And, you know, even though I'm a reporter, I am a human being, and I am a Christmas Santa Claus fan. So I was hoping to discover that Roberta Claus was just steps away from, you know, getting the, you know, oiling the sleigh and all those things. But I was shocked to learn, or maybe I was not shocked to learn, I was disappointed to learn that Roberta Claus was truly in hiding. She was alone. And that while well, she hadn't given up on Christmas, she had decided to take Christmas off and to take this year off of Christmas. And, 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 and we, some of us know that Roberta Claus, before, there's not clear reports, but I'm pretty sure uh, from Scooter, the, the young man that does this program normally, he he claims that she was once a human being and a scientist. And so I said, well, she's, she's going to observe Christmas. But as I told Roberta Claus about my theories about Christmas, about Secret Santa, she became very nervous and upset. And she did not like this idea of uh, a, Santa, a secret Santa that was going through these ch- children. But they said, there is another Santa out there, a secret Santa. And Roberta Claus uh, suspected that the secret Santa may not have intentions that were best for the children of the world. And and I filed that report with Scooter, but then after I sent the files out, I sat down to review my notes and to prepare. Roberta Claus was trying to figure out what her next move would be and how we would deal with secret Santa. And we were in a small apartment in an undisclosed location, a fairly populated area, and there was a knock at the door. Now, I wasn't shocked or frightened by this knock, and neither was Roberta Claus. For many of you may wonder, well, geez, how how did you, you're some gumshoe, you're some reporter caught in neon. You tracked down Santa Claus, and no one's done that in thousands of thousands of years. And people have been searching the globe for this Roberta Claus. How did you? Well, I did have an inside man, an inside elf in this case, uh, named Spackle the Elf. Now, Spackle is not a Christmas elf, you might say. Is he a North Pole elf? Does he work for Roberta Claus? Did he turn? All the questions about Spackle will be answered. But Spackle is a forest elf, and he knows. Uh, the man who produces this podcast, Scooter. But Spackle was an essential part of me and a trail to track down Roberta Claus. But as I said before, I described Spackle there. There was a knock at the door. Now, as I went to the door, I was expecting Spackle the elf to be standing on the other side of that door. But when I opened the door... He was not standing there. Standing on the other side of the door was a young child, and I won't give out any of the details of the child other than to say the child stood there. 
And for a second, I stood there because I said it took me a while to absorb the fact and to say I enjoyed my time with Spackle thus far would be an understatement. So I expected to see my good friend Spackle the Elf standing at the door there to ease my transition with Roberta Claus and help us not save Christmas, but, you know, figure stuff out, I guess. But there was a child there. And my, I, I, there was something about the look on the child's face. It wasn't fear. But it was, it, it triggered some something in me. And I said to the child, I said, yes, child. And the child said, is Roberta Claus here? And Roberta Claus, I could hear her gasp. And I said, I said, Roberta Claus. Dude, the child looked past me and saw Roberta Claus and said, Roberta, they're coming for you. You need to go now. And Roberta Claus said, let's go. And without anything other than grabbing a coat and a small bag, she packed, she said, are you ready? Let's go. And I said, I said, I said in my brain, I did not say this aloud. I said, well, she, she must have been on the run for a while and used to this. But I also sensed a hurry, and she, she, she walked past me and walked out the door, and she said, thank you. And she patted the child's head, and she walked past, and I rushed to catch up with her. And she said, do you have a car? I said, yes, it's not far. And she said, did you say you're traveling with an elf? And I said, yes, Spackle the elf. And she said, Spackle, she goes, I know who that is. And I said, we won't talk about you and Spackle's history, Roberta Claus. But I said, we walked to my rental car and we got in. And Roberta Claus said, where's Spackle? I said, back at the room we're renting. And she said, oh, do you use V? And I said, yes, we do. Yes, I did. And then she said, we'll, we'll, we'll get him soon. And then she said, take a right. And I said, Roberta, where are we going? She said, we need to rent a U-Haul. And she said, it was such a, I, I thought, I said, just drive, just drive, Claude. And we went to a, a, a U-Haul place. It was not actually, it was another place that rents those type of trucks. And she said, go in there and rent a truck and, and make it quick. And I went in and I, I tried to make, I could not make it quick. It was, it, there was a lot of paperwork and questions. And I had to, I said, well, I'm moving. And I said, am I li if lying for Roberta Claus? I thought it was strange. But she she did not tell me to lie. But I said, well, I'm on the naughty list now. It actually gave me a bright spot. But then I did, and I, it was very difficult to back up the U-Haul. Uh, but I got it. And then we then it was really boring. We returned my rental car to the rental car agency, and then we were both in the U-Haul. And I said, where to next, Roberta? And she said, we need my sleigh. And we drove, and I said, what about the reindeer? And she said, they've already been, she goes, they've been taken to the Dusseldorf Zoo. She goes, they were taken months ago. She goes, they're perfectly happy. It's a, you know, wild, roaming, beautiful zoo in Dusseldorf. 
I've never been there, she said, but I've been led to believe that the reindeer are very happy. But we need to get my sleigh. And as we pulled down the street, you know, many, many turns and things, cobblestone street. It was a dark street. It was filled with those old wooden garages and felt like a... It was close to the water as the air came in through the window. Like an old uh, but refurbished dock area. And she said, it is, it's, it's up here on the right. But then we heard the noises of a crowd. A crowd, uh, and it sounded like a mob. Not an angry mob, but muttering of uh, thousands and thousands of people. It turns out it was only hundreds and hundreds of people. But Roberta peeked around the corner and I peeked over her shoulder. And not two blocks from where these warehouses were, these garages were, was a small square filled with people with, with, with some sort of burning. I said, oh man, this is a mob. This is the mob the child was talking about, but we loaded the Roberta's sleigh into the U-Haul, and she seemed to be an expert at the logistics of pushing the sleigh. And she said, don't worry, this, you know, is highly slidable. You know, very, very, so we've, it was the easiest thing I've ever moved. I can't imagine it getting it through a door of an apartment building or up a flight of stairs or two. But we got it in the U-Haul. And then more chattering came from the mob. And Roberta slid the U-Haul door closed. And it made this sound and then the slam and the click of the latch. And she said, let's go. And, and as we, and, and I said, in the U-Haul, she said, no. And we watched, we watched the group, and, and again, I, as I watched closer and took a few minutes, said something about the closing of the U-Haul, something about that sounded calmed me down a bit. And it was just, it didn't seem like an angry mob, it was people with candles. And I noticed they had started filing into a church. And I said, oh, okay. And as the people filed in the church, Roberta put her collar up. She put her hood up, and, and she said, let's go. And we followed these people into a packed church. And I'm Claude and Dion. I was raised not far from the town in the city in the country where we may may not be at this time. And I was raised by two parents who believed in something, so this wasn't unfamiliar to me. But I racked my brain, what was the feast night? And I could find none on the date that it was. And I even looked on my phone, I said, is it a feast of uh, St. Barnabas? No. But as we walked into this church, it was packed with families. It was packed with people there sharing their space, sharing the oxygen, sharing their sweat almost. And candles were burning and everyone seemed somewhat patient. But there was also something on their faces. They started to sing 
And it was a hymn that was, it was one of those hymns that is both beautiful and morose at the same time. It doesn't fill you with joy, but it doesn't fill you with sorrow either. And Roberta and I watch, and then someone across the church stood up and they said, That's her. That's Roberta Claus. Uh, and then the crowd changed and they started shouting at her. And we ran, and we were quick. And we got out of that church. And we got in the new home. We drove back to the room I was sharing with Spackle the elf. And I ran up to two flights of stairs. And I said, Spackle, it's time to go. And Spackle was covered in popcorn, which she really irritated me at the time. Until I realized later, he said, well, I was, you know, bringing a popcorn. He was doing those popcorn garlands. But at the time, I said, yeah, Spackle. I said, we're going to share the pop. I said, let's go. I got Roberta Claus. And we grabbed our things. And we hopped in the U-Haul and Roberta Claus drove. Roberta Spankle and I spent days driving. Driving across the continent, stopping in town and city, a village in Hamlet. And with every stop, we found more of the same people in churches, people in shelters, people at food banks, groups gathered, uh, giving their time. And I could tell Roberta had started to have doubts about how much of an impending threat it was. And we talked about it. And those conversations are semi-private, but we went back and forth. Like, was this something to be concerned about? Was this something to worry about? Or was this a, a continuation of, of some sort of new Christmas, some post-Santa Christmas? And, and it brought up uh, emotions on both sides. Now, Spackle, we could talk about at another point, but Spackle stayed mostly silent. But we went back and forth looking at all the angles, and Roberta is a keen observer. So she had lots to offer. And we were close to having the feeling that, yes, maybe Roberta's withdrawal, maybe the mourning around Santa, maybe the fracturing of Christmas. But we wondered, could this be a good thing? But there was something else at every stop we made, something in my gut that didn't ring true. And eventually, Roberta and I started to talk about it. And she said to me, Claude, I, I feel something. I can sense something. And, and I said, what is it, Roberta? And then she said, she said, Spackle, do you still carry around? Now, forest elves of, of this entire lore, we obviously don't have time or the proper, to, proper conditions to get into a forest elves that do the job Spackle does, carry with them a, what could be called a magical map. And one day we may have something like it's similar to a tablet, similar to a map, similar to e-ink. It's a map you unroll that works basically like a combination of a paper tablet without electronics. So I think, I don't know, I'm not a hobbyist in electronics. 
But Spackle, and I guess it should be noted at this point in the story, Spackle does not speak the English language or any alphabet or clear way. He, he communicates in noises. And I did not know Scooter did not make this clear to me. But I think it's also what developed our closeness. And Rover says, Spackle, do you have your map? And he said something like, or something like that, a noise like that, a confirmation noise. For up until now, Roberta didn't seem to need a nap. She drove with the fury of an investigator. And I almost felt like we were both on the case together of this new story. Was Secret Santa real? Was she was investigating a story where it looked like the outcome of her downfall was a good thing for everyone? But a part of her seemed willing to accept it until now. She said, she said, Spackle, take out your map. And we had pulled off the road. We were having sandwiches. Uh, it is so much more economical to buy a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly than to stop at every roadside place. I think Spackle somehow communicated that to me. But she took out the map and she started to to do some things to it. And I, I wondered if it was Santa magic. But I did not get a question or get involved. But she said, she, she said, I can make suspicion is right, Claude. And she said, Spackle, look at this. And I think Spackle said, knock, knock. Or, and, and, and she said, yeah, yeah, the uh, joy levels. She said, look at all these pockets. These are the places we've been. It was a bit like a heat map. She said, the, the joy, look at the joy here. And I said, well, which, which is the joy? The green, is the green envy or joy? Is it Christmas joy green or red? Or And she said, never mind. She said that the joy levels are very low for all this activity. It doesn't make any sense. And I said, it does to me, Roberta. I can feel something in my gut. There's an under, uh, undertone wherever we've been. And I said, can you see it on that map, Roberta? Because I, 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 can, I can almost taste it. And she said, Claudia, it's not coming up. I, I, I don't know what it is either, but she goes, I know it's there. And I said, so you can sense it, Roberta. And she says, these levels. And she kept working. And she says, Speckle, do you have a, do you get someone give me, give me a, give me a pen and a pen or a pencil. And she started to write on the, on the paper. And at first Speckle seemed a little shocked because it seemed like she was using a old school pen and paper. And I said, Roberta, what are you doing? And she said, I'm making a naughty list. Roberta said that the naughty list had gone out of vogue uh, not that long after World War II. His effectiveness, uh, Santa never really believed, the modern-day Santa uh, never believed in the naughty list. Now, maybe he could have used it because not many years after it, he would go underground for almost a half a century or over a half a century, I guess, depending on what timeline you're viewing. But Roberta said, I'm making a naughty list. And I said, a real naughty list, Roberta. And she said, yes. And she said, she said I'm looking for tattletales and gossipers. And she started to list names, names I'll never reveal. 
ever reveal. The name started to appear. And as she held her hand over the name, you know, she started to be able to tell where the child were, what they were, you know, how were they a gossip or were they a t- And I said, does Tattletail get you on the naughty list? And she said, Claude, she said, yes, it will, depending on what you're tattletailing about. But that you're calling someone a tattletale will also get you on there. But telling on them or judging them, she said, this is why we got rid of the naughty list. But I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing, Claude. And she said, get behind the wheel, let's go. And she guided me. She, I was trying to watch out of the corner of my eye and watch the road at the same time. It was not anything like mapping technology in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, we're dealing with a possible demigod here. But it was still, she was looking and it was changing colors and giving some sort of directions. And the young man's name was coming up, and finally we arrived at his house. And Roberta went into the house. She, she said, wait here, and she knocked on the door. And the boy answered the door, or boy did, and Roberta went in the house. And a part of me was, uh, I, I just, I said, was, is she into spackle? Is she interrogating? What is going on? And I guess you would know at this point, Spackle, the elf, the forest elf, he's friends with Scooter. And, and Spackle's history is uh, tied in with your friend Scooter's history with Roberta Claus and Santa Claus before that. Uh, for right around the time of Santa's passing, now there are no no proof or not even suspicion that Scooter and Spackle were involved in that. But Scooter and Spackle had tried to start a little business where they were pitching ideas to Santa and then to Roberta Claus, and she had a lot going on, clearly. But these are two very—this is an enthusiastic forest elf and then, you know, an odd podcaster. And they kept pitching and pitching Roberta Claus, and at some point it became almost a parody— or accommodated Roberta Claus, but also an irritant. She said, gee, Spackle, Scooter, I've had enough of your Christmas ideas. She said, Candy Cane Rain is a terrible idea, and that's the last one I'll be hearing from you two. And they were, I guess they never asked, would that get you on irritating Santa Claus? You should put you on the naughty list. But then Roberta Claus exited the house. She she walked slowly up to the U-Haul. We were still in with her sleigh in the back. And I wondered how she, she did she interrogate this boy? Did she coax it out of him? What, what I said, did he, ta- did he tattle on himself, Roberta? Did he tell? And she said he told me what I needed to know. And we were in a big city at this point. And she said we need to find a place to stay for the night. And I said, why, Roberta? And Roberta told me that the secret Santa was in people's dreams. This boy was very resistant. Even though he would tattle on his friends, he did not want to tattle on secret Santa. She said he was worried. And she said that adults and children had been being visited by the secret Santa in a very subtle way. And she said she needed to spend a night 
to look into the children's dreams and try to, and then I, that blew my mind for all I knew about Santa. I think at some times I had heard, you know, I'd heard about sugar plums dancing in your head and those things, and I said, well, maybe Santa won't get you what you really want for Christmas. Or you didn't get this because Santa knew what you really wanted deep down. Well, I, that's when I, you know, I just wanted you to hug me, Mother. That's what I, well, here's your hug. There you go. No toys, though. Excuse me, folks. I, I, that's unprofessional of me. But Roberta has said that she did have the ability to watch people's dreams. And it's just another thing that unnerves me with the governments of the world. Also putting the resources behind tracking down Roberta Claus. I mean, but maybe one day we would have, but I don't know if we would want a President Claus in any, you know, either Roberta Claus, Santa Claus, or just a president named Claus. But we spent a night, uh, we spent a night in Spackle and I slept as Roberta Claus had her own room and she said she needed some privacy. But as the next morning came and, and Spack and I were getting dressed, Roberta knocked on our door. And she didn't look tired, but she looked thoughtful. And I just wondered to myself, you know, is Santa on some sort of, like, when would the guy sleep? When would she sleep? But she said, she said, we, we, need, we need to, we need to go. And I said, what'd she say? I said, we're not returning. I'm going to lose the deposit on the U-Haul, aren't I, Roberta Claus? And she said, no, no, just call them and tell them it's here. You know, they'll pick it up. And I said, I was like, are we going to rent a car, Roberta Claus? And she said, no, we're taking the sleigh. And so we pulled the U-Haul around the back of the motel we were staying at. And we hit it, and we waited till the next evening came. Roberta slept most of the day, which kind of answered my question, but, you know, under this, these circumstances, anyone would need some sleep. And as the night grew deep and dark, Roberta Claus said, you know, we're going to get in the sleigh. And then I said, well, geez, don't you? And she said, don't make me explain the sleigh, how it works to you. She goes, it's clear to me after the dreams and speaking with this young man, something's coming. And we need to be ready for it and we need to be mobile for it. And we got to slay up in the air. And, and as serious as the task at hand was, I did not have a chance uh, at this point in the story to enjoy being in Santa's sleigh. Or even start to answer the details, and I think there was a a masking effect. I I don't I don't know if I could explain what was going on to control the sleigh, or the propulsion of the sleigh, or all those things. But also, Roberta had a spackle, and I working very hard because we began circling. The, the the most populated areas of the earth and watching the naughty list and Roberta she was going through some sort of listing and she was doing her own thing with just a simple pen and paper while Spackle and I worked on his magical map but then at some point there was a surge and it was on Spackle and I's map 
and it was clearly, it was like it was being projected on the back of Roberta's eyeballs. And the sleigh made a great turn in the sky. And it would seem like it was going so smooth and slow at this turn, but I knew we were rocketing at speeds humans had never experienced before, except for the kid, you know, kids that may have gotten chances to ride in Santa's sleigh, supposedly. But those would be kids on the naughty list, liars. But as we picked up speed, I said, Roberta, what is it? She said, it's the lads. And she showed me a place on the map, and she said, she goes, it's the 13-year-old lads. And I said, I, I, I was not familiar with what she was talking about. I had heard of the Yule Log. But she said, it's a, she goes, you can see them, they're debouching their way through these towns. And she goes, it was just a blip just hours ago. She, and Roberta said, I thought it was one of those SantaCons, a Sanarchy event. She, she goes, it's, it's in tough, tough to interpret all this data, these data points to a human. You know, no offense. But she, as we made the way, she explained quickly to me that the 13-year-old lads were a bit like a mad Bacchanalian version of the Seven Dwarves, little trolls. I, I don't think she used the word trolls. It might be my word. And that they would just tear their way through cities and countrysides, drinking and vandalizing, making merry. But Roberta said she, she, she could see that they had whipped in a fever and that they already had followers. And as we started to circle... They were in a part of Europe where towns were close to each other and people were already used to touring from town to town. And there was a giant wreckage in their path of emptied bars and, and these you lads had a thing for yogurt, some strange yogurt obsession. So towns were stripped of their yogurt and Christmas and holiday decorations that had made it up. They had vandalized uh, churches and schools, town squares, and they were followed by more and more merrymakers. And Roberta started circling, and, and she said, she said, I don't know what to do. And she made a couple of dives on the sleigh, but the, the 13 lads and I saw them, and they, they were, you know, mad with lust and, and, and drunken revelry. And she circled them again and again, and and people started throwing yogurt packs at the sleigh, but then she just went, you know, increased altitude. And she seemed nervous. She seemed to be considering her options, and I wanted to grab her and say, Roberta, you need to act. But then she said, look down there, one of the lads is trailing behind. And she circled, and one of the lads had started to trail, and he was limping. And she landed in front of his path, and he was limping. He had sustained a cut while smashing Christmas ornaments. And Roberta sat with him so, so gently and stitched him right up. She had a very nice medical kit on the sleigh, which would make sense. But I couldn't believe her first aid skills, but again, it would make sense that Santa Claus or Roberta Claus be prepared for all things. 
And I got to tell you, Spackle, the elf, is an excellent uh, nurse. But she, she stitched up this elf, and she said, you hurt yourself there, smashing. And, she, and the elf, it seemed, or I guess it was a lad, a troll-like elf dwarf. It seemed to be calmed by Roberta's presence and being away from the the madness of his friends. And she said, I need you to go back and, and pick up 4,000 yogurt cups and bring them to a recycle facility. And then, you know, clean up the rest of these uh, ornaments you broke. And she said, she said, which one are you? Because, you, you know, she, she'd explained to me earlier, the old lands were supposed to come one at a time. They'd never come as a group before. They were scheduled to come one at a time, starting, I think, 13 days before Christmas. And he said, I'm number one. She said, oh, good, so you'll be gone at Christmas. And then she f- flew, and, and then she said, I don't know what to do. We're, we're not going to get so lucky that these other elves are going to injure themselves, these lads. And she said, what about that podcast, Spackle, your friend? And he, I said, yeah, we had the boring podcast guy. And she said, I have speakers on the on the sleigh. So we started playing the boring podcast the Mad Scooter makes. My, I like Scooter. We're not friends. You know, I'm a, cor- I'm a professional correspondent being corresponded with. But we started to play. And slowly, some of the human revelers, they had spent too much time drinking anyway. They started to fall off and started renting rooms or sleeping in anywhere they could find space. And then about six of the lads started to slowly fall off one at a time. And as each one would fall asleep, Roberta would bring the sleigh down, and she had a whole, uh, what do you call it, a scooping system, one of those nets, and she would pick them up and bring them in different directions and separate them. And she said, as long as they're separated, they'll be pretty docile. It's this mob mentality as they wait for each one. And she said, these people, these these mountain towns won't stand for their nonsense. She said, they'll just bring them down and, and they'll have a nice little holiday in each little town I'm leaving them in. But then we returned to see and there were still a number of these Yule lads making merry. And I said, Roberta, don't you have any, I know slaves shouldn't be weaponized, but don't you have any North Pole technology you can use on them? You know, don't, can't, can't you use any of Santa's magic? And she said, she said, Claude, don't you see this is just a probing test? She goes, these are just merrymakers. She goes, they're just here to see what we're capable of and what we're willing to do. And she said, plus, I really don't have any North Pole technology. She goes, it's at the North Pole. And I said, so this is like a distraction, these old lads. And she said, yeah, look at it. And she said, oh, God, spackle. She goes, what are your naughty level readings? And Spackle made some noises, and basically, she she grabbed the map out. She said, oh, no. She said, that's exactly what this is, a distraction. She said, they've clogged our naughty meter. It's, she goes, the levels are so high, we can't see outside this region. 
and she kept trying to reset and re even with her Santa magic. She 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 couldn't bring the naughty levels down, and she circled again and again, and then she said, "Spackle." She goes, "What about that candy cane rain?" She goes, and, "And now one thing I knew about Spackle was he always carried this giant satchel around with him. It was like a backpack that could be a duffel bag, but it was humongous." It was elven size, and it spackles a forest elf, so bigger than a... Not as big as the Lord of the Rings elf. Huskier than that, though. Not not that tall. Maybe four feet tall, Spackle was. And I also think he had storage in his elven elven cap, which was more North, North Pole elf uh, than, than not. And he said, which wouldn't wish... Or something, or some sort of... Sound that I'm too dignified to make. But he dug through his bag, and then him and Roberta were communicating, and I said, I think Roberta speaks this forest elf language. But she was pointing to the engines and pointing, and she said, yes, yes. And then we started, and Spackle was underneath, hanging from the bottom of the sleigh, clanging and clinging. And then we landed, and I said, oh, wow, we landed at a warehouse that had stocks of candy canes. And I said, I wonder if they're saving these for next year. But And then I was also surprised that the candy cane rain was made from real candy canes, but we loaded on candy canes, and that took a bit of time unwrapping them. But then Roberta goes, I said, just throw it all in, and, and, and we we we, we fixed a cardboard hopper on the side of the sleigh, and I my job was just to hold it on, even though it had straps and things. Kind of like the foolhardy man who buys a mattress and poorly ties it on his roof, yet he still holds on. But I was doing it the best behest of Roberta Claus. And then we started to circle the mob, and... The machine that speculated, or the add-ons he had done started to shake and rumble Santa's sleigh. And then the peppermint misty smell filled the air. And I even noticed my skin getting a sheen of uh, red and white grease that I did put to my lips. And it was uh, candy cane-like. Every once in a while I'd even get a droplet of that other flavor of candy cane the red and the yellow striped one. But as the candy cane rain rained down, the mob slowed, their progress impeded by an overload of sugar, you know, because for a while they just put their mouths to heaven and drank it, and that caused many of the humans to sugar crash, and even one or two of the old lads, but some still strove on bar to bar, place to place, but then finally they further slowed down. And at some point their progress became impossible as the candy started to coagulate. And Roberta dropped the nets and we started to send the we started to separate these Yule lads across Europe. I feel bad for the Europeans whose towns we dropped these Yule we dropped a few of the candy cane ones in small lakes. They think Zurich, 
And I said, she says that environment and Roberta Claus said, Claude, don't report that. I can fix it. And I said, well, fish may like candy canes anyway. But at the whole time, Roberta Claus said, was, was shouting orders at a, a Spackle. She was saying, Spackle, I need you to... And I couldn't quite make it out, but as we dropped off the last Yule Lad, she said, she said, have you gotten a hold of the North Pole, Spackle? I need you to get a hold of the North Pole. And Spackle said, no, I can't get a hold of him. And she said, did you get a hold of Scooter? Did he? She goes, you guys got a hold of the North Pole all the time in the past. What do you mean you can't get through? Neither one of you gets through. You would call me 14 times. And Scooter, with his text, he thought was witty. And, and, and I don't know if it was some sort of... But finally, Robert said, what do you, there, there's no communications out of the North Pole. And Spackle made a noise that sounded like a guffump cry. Or, I don't know, I'm not a poet. I'm a reporter, damn it. But Spackle made it, and she said, there's nothing at the North Pole. No power at all. Nothing. And I think she had given Spackle the... Well, Spackle and Scooter Priority knew how to get past the secret firewalls. But it became quickly apparent that we needed to get to the North Pole. And Roberta said, hold on, boys. We're going north, and we don't have very much time for the Bells Nichols are coming. And she said, who knows what else lies in their wake. We have to save Christmas. And we made our way to the North Pole. Now, while we made our way to the North Pole, I did take my time checking media outlets. And all this mayhem was being blamed by Roberta Claus. And a worldwide hunt had gone, and I didn't realize Roberta Claus's brilliance with the U-Haul for they had created no-fly zones over the towns we had driven through. But we had slipped through that no-fly zone, and then they had recently headed off to where the Yule Lads were, and they were trying to make sense of what happened there. But right now, I'm with Roberta Cross, I'm with Spackle, and we're on our way to the North Pole. And I'm still on this story. This is Claude Neon reporting. Good night. All right, I want to say good night. Thank you. Good night to Pony Up in 1980. Uh, dreams for insomniacs. Uh, they've tried just about everything, breathing, medication, meditation, but uh, they had severe insomnia, but then they started listening to this podcast and it's helped out a lot. And Scooter has a balance of being interesting, but impossible to follow. So thank you, Pony Up 1980. Uh, Pam Craven loves the podcast. Thank you, Pam. Good night. Uh, China Dork 7733 says, uh, is a new best friend. Oh, wow. Thank you. 
uh, Jesse J. I don't know if that's the Jesse J. That's the singer because you were in, I think you were in last year's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, but a little weird, a little silly. And a lot of help falling asleep for Jesse J. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, J. H. Root, did I already thank you, J. H. Root? Well, I'm okay, thanking you again. Solution for a lifelong insomniac. Thank you, J. H. Root. You're grateful. I'm grateful. Uh, Ty Weave or T. I. Weave O. One. Oh, I made to thank you, but I'm thanking you again as well. Thank you, Ty Weave. Wow. I want to thank Maddie, 1976, from the U.K. and Great Britain. Or the U.K. or Great Britain, since it was said pretty much how they used to put their son to sleep. They didn't think it would work for them, but A-triple-plus. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, the Anonymous from... Uh, I wonder if that's a mist. We don't know the name of it. What kind of mist is that? Anonymous. Uh, are you sure that's not a Great Britain mist or a Northern or UK, United Kingdom mist? No, it's anonymist. Well, thank you for super. It's a sweet spot, sweet spot, super relaxing ramble. Thank you. And then AJ Teal from Australia worked for them. Scooter manages to distract you, put you to sleep. Thank you, AJ Teal. Uh, L Ropes One also says a podcast. Wow, it was amazing. Thank you, L Ropes. Over on Twitter, I want to thank Benji Box and say good night. Lisa Case, good night. Sammy, good night. Uh, Kelly H, good night. V, it's Brony. Bryony. I think it's Miss Bryony. Good night. Thank you. Eli, good night. Brandon A, good night. Uh, Blue T-shirt, good night. Thank you. Emily, good night. Uh, Pan Magazine, good night. And Rebecca LW, good night. Whiting, good night. Kelly, uh, Lida Lie, good night. Uh, Kini, or Kini, K I N I A, good night. Lisa, good night. Mike, good night. I hope you're resting, Mike, my friend. Uh, Steph BD. Or Steph D, good night. Stephen S, double, double S, Stephen, good night. Anna, good night. Allie B, good night. Ben M, good night. Mary, good night. Of course, good night to Babs. Amanda, good night. Uh, Jen, Misha, good night. Uh, Lauren C, good night. Melissa, good night. Uh, ben S. in the Cap Hello Collection, good night. Stephen R., good night. Kate N., good night. Honor W., good night. Laura H., good night. Jesse H., good night. And you guys sleep so good. Dan H., good night. Claire G., good night. Uh, Jeannie T., good night. Lindsay S., good night. John S. Good night. Kelly G. Good night. Uh, Chelsea M. Good night. Aaron D. Good night. Uh, Kath S. Good night. And Rudolph is saving Kath's life. Uh, Ab's wife. Good night. Michaela. Good night. Damon D. Good night. B. M. Good night. 
Catherine, good night. Uh, Bob C., good night. Emily, good night. And uh, that's great, that Breaking Bad. Uh, Teresa, good night. Alexandra, good night. Bex, good night. Lauren, good night. Uh, Rachel, good night. Thank you for the comments on the website. Mark, good night. And thank you, Mark in Ireland. And Rachel's an Avengers TV show fan. Good night, Kimberly. Thank you for buying something on Amazon. And our buddy Marcus, I hope you're doing good, buddy. Good night, Michael. Good night. Thank you for using the Amazon links. Look at the podcast.com slash Amazon. And I think that's it for now. Good night, everybody. Sleep tight.